I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by experienced Air National Guardsman and firefighter, Pranay Mangir Malani. Stay tuned. In the past few years, California and so many other Western states have suffered through horrible and devastating wildfires. Magnified within this are stories of our heroic firefighters, their courageous resilience, their dedication to their craft and to the community, and their ability to respond to a universe of problems. As a physician, I've interacted with many first responders, but in meeting Pranay Mangir Malani, I was grateful to have a conversation with among the few South Asian fire professionals that I've ever met. Pranay has a deep experience in law enforcement and in military service, and now works full-time for Cal Fire, the state's fire and emergency service that responds to virtually any risky situation. In our conversation, he not only shared his motivations and rich career fulfillment, but also the profound personal challenges that he's faced through the triggers of racism, trauma, and mental illness. We started talking about the photo that we used for our episode flyer from a scene on the fire front line and what he was going through at that exact moment. Uh, you know, I was, I was actually in the fire season of 2020. I'm sure you get into that, but it was the most uh, infamous and destructive fire season on the West Coast, especially in the state of California. And we're sitting on the fire line and it was one of my buddies. I think we've been up for about 24 hours straight. We were released from another fire before and we just got hit with an air tanker. So there's retardant all over my helmet. I'm tired. I'm just going off of uh, a lot of caffeine, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of caffeine. And remember everybody, you know, at that point you get so delusional, you start messing around and throwing sticks and stones at each other. And I remember yeah. my buddy was messing with me and I was just you know, putting my fingers like, don't you have ever dare? You know, <laughs> and I snapped a couple of photos and yeah, looks like it'd be a funny photo. And then, you know, posted it and went from there. So. Tell me one thing. How did you find yourself going from someone who is growing up uh, in Danville and in Northern California to, you know, the kind of vocation and, and calling of being, uh, a Cal fire, uh, fireman. Um, you know, I had to give, you know, credit to my mother for that one. Uh, she got me in, in boy scouts. I went through the whole thing, cub scouts, tiger, tiger cubs, cub scouts. And, uh, through that, um, joined, a, joined a troop, uh, eight one five. I always give a shout out to them. It's, you know, I have it tattooed on my arm actually. And that was, uh, that pretty much changed my life. And it was actually a local fire department out here, the, the San Ramon Valley fire department. They came and did a mock setup and it was actually like a mock car accident. And here we are, you know, 13, 14 year old young men run out with a fire extinguisher, call my one, one, tell an adult and just seeing them come out with a fire engine, my glistening eyes. And I was like, I want to do that. And that was, yeah. that was it. And that I was like, I knew I was going to do it and nothing's going to get in my way. Your, your mom clearly was very supportive. Did you have others in, you know, at that stage who were also either Indian or South Asian going through the same kind of mindset and, uh, you know, thinking that way or, or was that not necessarily the norm? No, you know, it really wasn't the norm. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, South Asian individuals like in my Boy Scout troop per se and other, you know, um, 
it was the cliche route of, you know, um, the four year college right out of high school and going into the, the medical field, the electronics field, or, you know, we're right here in the Silicon Valley, entrepreneurial things like that. Um, and I just, I wasn't having it. I, I was, I was a, I was a C student, you know, in school. I was not, I was just, I hated it. You know, I wanted to do the more of the, the, the PE stuff and play in you know, little league baseball rather go on a hiking trip than doing a book report. So it was kind of, it was kind of on my own for that when I said, you know, culturally wise. So in that way, was it just easier to, you know, kind of gravitate towards the outdoors, towards really hands-on experiences and were, were the ingredients for following then into that kind of line of work just that much easier? Was it sort of a, a clear pathway for you? It was, it was just because, um, I think as an example, um, you know, my, my first, I'd say like professional firefighting job was when I was 18 years old, working for the national United States national park service as a, a seasonal wildland you know, firefighter. And, uh, that was in Sequoia Kings Canyon national park. My first backpacking trip ever was in Sequoia national park as a boy scout. So it, it was so natural, even going into that career field and doing the explorer stuff, which I did in high school, working with uh, the local sheriff's office and, the, the fire department out in San Mateo County. It was just, it was just normal to me because I was always like, so like be prepared, right? The Boy Scout motto and all that. Yeah. And it was just like one of those things that got me into, you know, it made it easy running into a burning building. It made it easy putting out a forest fire. It made it easy doing CPR on somebody because it was just so ingrained to me since a Cub Scout. You know, I wonder, you know, because you really gravitated towards this, you know, so young, even at that age where you, did you find yourself uh, in a, in a space where you were just like, Hey, I, I just don't have any reserve or um, any inhibitions or any fear for that matter of taking on work like this. Um, was that just always a natural sort of feel for you? It was natural. I wouldn't say like scared. I've definitely been scared a few times in my career. I think that's completely normal. Like, like if you're not scared, that's when you're going to get hurt. It just seems normal to me wanting fear, wanting trouble, you know, whether it's in the home or, or in the, uh, the firehouse that we don't like disaster. And that's where I operate the best is, is underneath, uh, you know, traumatic environments, chaos. I like it. I like to go in there and, and fix it. So far, the perception is, is that, you know, as a firefighter in, in service that you learn through experience and, Tell me, do you find that even for that, like, is there kind of some academic to that? Is there some rigor? Is there some study? Is there some science that really does require someone to really perfect their craft? Absolutely. And per perfecting your craft is the biggest thing we say it all the time at the firehouse. And that's like one of my mantras, like you have to protect your, you have to, you know, this is, this is everything. It's, it's not just a job. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a calling. And you have to perfect it, you know, perfect practice. There is. So, uh, in a fairly, fairly competitive career to get into, especially in California, and especially since the last, oh, it's almost a decade where every, every year there's been significant, you know, large scale fire disasters in the state. The educational wise, it's especially for the, the promotion level to, to the chief level I and mean, anything, you know, bachelor's degrees, most of them do have them now. I mean, that's a thing, you know, hell, I'm working on mine your EMT, your fire academy associates degree is pretty much just a necessity to get in. And even the whole fire academy, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of written, there's, there's book work in, involved in it and there is studies um, 
building construction, this whole thing of jack of all trades, master at none was our, our kind of mantra. It's pretty much jack of all trades, master at all now. Yeah. Because you have to provide the, the EMS portion is a whole different thing being, you know, all of us being EMTs and paramedics, but also the different disciplines involved in the service, not just the vegetation force fire part, but the structure fire, the car accidents, the hazmats. See, there's, there's Teslas now. Can we use the jaws of life in the Tesla? No, there's like a five page book. You know, so it's like, it's different now, you know, yeah. modern construction. Now we have to learn about different buildings. So anything that technology in Silicon Valley is pumping out, we're right behind it. You know, what's, what that makes me think of is not only just the like evolution of what the modern 2021 and beyond fire professional is, is studying and, and really sort of taking on, but at the same time, the other probably equally important skills of how do you communicate? How do you lead a team? How do you actually respond to um, those who are anxious and uh, fearful in the public? So your your communication skills and the and the way that you have to navigate through talking to people and and in fact communicating with people is probably those, those skills are probably off the charts. They are. They are, and that's where. You know, there are there are programs that are that are our state fire academy, you know, puts on in Ione, California, just see if they're in the I don't know, just south of Sacramento, out there in the foothills and uh all the leadership classes, but I think life experience is the big one. Mm-hmm. Um I was fortunate enough to be hired when I was eighteen, right, right when I was out. But if I were to do everything all over again, you know, actually an individual messaged me on Instagram, I don't know. 20, 25, 30 minutes ago asking about like, Hey, how do I become a firefighter for Cal fire? And, uh, I would say, you know, go get hired by some jobs, go get fired by some jobs, go get some life experience more because it will make your job 10 times easier. Life experience I think is key. And with that, you'll, you'll get leadership. You'll get leadership qualities. Yeah. You of course had, um, you know, several kind of parallel paths within your fire professional career, having had experiences both in law enforcement and in the California Air National Guard. So what brought you to, you know, uh, for that matter, also develop both an interest and, and a passion for military service and, and how that, how that in some ways escalate or, or um, elevate kind of your, your fire career? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that started too with my family, you know, uh, both my mamas and uncles, they, you know, my nana, they were all out and grandfather out in India and, um, serving the Indian army. So I think that kind of was a little bit, I wanted to follow that tradition path as well. It was always something I kind of want to do. I always had an interest in law enforcement as well. I, I like guns. I like shooting guns. I was again, a thing from boy scouts going to the little 22 rifle range and shooting rifles out in Willits, California, up North. Right. Boy Scout camp that he used to go to all the time. It sounds so cliche because it's like an interview question for like 90% of public service agencies. Like, you know, why do you want to be there um, to help people? I mean, I truly, I do like it, uh, you know, going into that chaotic situation and making everything okay. So um, I kind of wanted to try everything. I wanted to do the, the EMT stuff. I wanted to try to be a cop for a little bit and I wanted to serve on a macro scale in the United States military. So yeah. um, I wanted everything. Well, and, and with that, um, you know, for, for you now serving in the military and being part of the California National Guard, was, was there something that was additive about it? Like on, on the one hand, yes, you experienced 
so many different trajectories and so many different pathways here, but has it been a sort of cumulative effect of becoming even a better fire professional now? It absolutely was. And how I started, I started fire and then I went um, through some fire prevention jobs. So I kind of got that aspect of it. Um, then it worked some couple of ons and ends jobs just to, you know, pay bills while I went to fire Academy EMT school. And then I, um, went to a police Academy and then, uh, we became law enforcement officer. Said it was it for me switched over back to fire and then military. And so I kind of all, I'm at that point now where all of these different aspects has completely perfected my, you know, firefighting career. And I shouldn't say perfect, but definitely has helped. Um, the law enforcement aspect that came into just, just talking to people and, um, you know, having interest and you have to give out, you know, some citations or stuff or fire prevention. I'm usually that person that goes and talks because, you know, you have that training, the verbal judo, we call it, you know, with, with talking to individuals, yeah. so the military aspect of it as, as well. Just, uh, I think just being a leader, uh, you know, the basic training was nine weeks in San Antonio, Texas. It's probably the best time of my life. Yeah. Just because I met so many different people from every corner of the country, a uh, world actually, there's a gentleman from Africa who got a citizenship there at the last day. And that was probably the coolest thing ever. Cause not only to become a member of the you know, world's greatest air force, but also um, became a citizen of the United States. You know, um, one thing that strikes me when, when you're mentioning this is how much, you know, development happens in these you know, sort of boot camp like atmospheres, or even when you're actually, you know, in in the midst of chaos. But maybe for you, have you been able to reflect a little bit on, you know, some of the challenges of those as well, right? So those positive experiences are, are really so amazing. Were there struggles? Were there challenges of, you know, sort of trying to experience all of these things? And, and even for that matter, as a South Asian, um, how are you able to navigate that? You know, jumping around. I wasn't able, like, I wasn't, I couldn't say that, you know, I was a law enforcement for 10 years and I saw everything in and out of law enforcement, especially in Northern California. I did get a, a fairly good taste of it. The county that I was working in was extremely rural. So I had a lot of, a lot of good, good cases. So I bounced around a lot for mm -hmm. sure. And I, and I think that's one of the parts that I um, have to uh, really understand that, that saying it's okay. Um, but I wanted to try it. I wanted to do it. Now I could say that, you know, I've been to a police academy, fire academy, I've been to boot camp. I've done that. I've trained and like, I should write a book about how to go to professional academies now. That's <laughs> a professional like academy take. I don't know how many boots I've shined. So the South Asian part though, has definitely uh, given me a lot of difficulties for sure. How so? I mean, is it from the notion that there are just not enough other South Asians in, in these areas, or, um, is it, is it the struggle of, you know, being sort of an outlier? Um, you know, tell, tell me a little more about that. Yeah, I think so. I think it was different working in a wildland firefighting arena, you know, East of Fresno in a national park, like, yeah, you know, what's, where's India again on the map, you know, and especially yeah. that just post nine 11 area, which was so fresh. Yeah. Um, it was tough. It was tough. I was constantly told that, oh, you only got hired here because you're brown. And you would think that some of these careers or even organizations would find a way to make it that much easier and embrace you and make it feel sort of like a family because you're committed, you know, so deeply to, to the service. And, and yet that's not kind of what you're describing. 
No, um, my department now, I'd say that is, you know, I absolutely love the agency. It's great. I want to retire from there. I'm happy where I'm at. And, uh, nothing but, but positive remarks from them. Of course, it's the little individuals here and there, but I definitely work for some agencies. I'd say that, you know, you, you, you got here because of your skin color type of thing or little mm-hmm. remarks. And, and it was, it almost worked backwards for me. And this is sometimes where, you know, a department would come out and say, you know, we're trying to be more ethically diverse. So I'm like, Ugh. so when I get hired, I'm hard because like, like I'm a good fireman, you know, good EMT. Yeah. Like I know what I'm doing. You know, I, I, I'm, not almost obsessed with it, but I, I, I take a lot of a pride in what I do and train on and off duty yeah. and all that type of stuff and do everything that I can do to be best because I do love the job. Um, so, and that's still I'm like, great. Thanks for saying that because now <laughs> it's hard. I think we're, we're going into a better direction now, but I would imagine that it's clearly not easy when you have to deal with that kind of either isolation or, um, you know, the comments or, or the, the culture if you will, of some of these agencies, um, in the past at least, and now add that to, you know, well, you're, you're just trying to get better at what you do and, and develop your craft, yeah. as you say, right. Uh, you know, where'd you find the comfort in being able to, to build and develop that in such a, um, you know, tough or challenging environment? It sounds so bad, but it's like a lot of times I, I just had to prove myself. Mm. I, I definitely think that was put in some positions and some assignments because of my skin color. And that was the hardest part to deal with. I'm like, why am I going to have to carry all that hose and go up there? And these guys are down here. You know, I was just that guy. And I never wanted to jump to that conclusion. I sat back and just observed and I was like, why is this, why is this going on? It's almost like a hazing that happens, not just because you're a junior. There's a little bit more. Yeah. There's a little bit more than just like the, the, yeah, the, the newbie stuff, but but it was hard. I mean, it shouldn't be like that, right? It shouldn't have to like fit, fit in, you know, it should just be, yeah. it should just be normal, but it, it's still out there. In fact, um, when I was a law enforcement officer, I went to a traffic stop. There's a bunch of bikers, two opposing biker gangs got in a fight. It was the first arriving deputy at scene. The sergeant was right behind me and I got there and immediately, um, when I went to go talk to the, 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 the later to be found out that was a suspect to the report, but you know, he's like, I am not talking to that Nick you know, he, he said that comment and that was so eye opening. I was here to help him yeah. as the cop. Not only was I called that derogatory word as I was here helping him as a, as a brand new law enforcement officer, but I felt, you know, kind of slapped in the face by the Sergeant. I was like, man, like, okay, just, I'll just go sit back in the car. So that, so, so that was kind of an interesting point where, uh, you know, that there are parts in the United States and even California being so progressive that it is like, there's a lot of areas in California that, you know, a lot of stuff goes on daily and, and also in the public safety aspect for it. So that was an interesting, uh, comment for that. And then the other situation was, um, say two years ago now in Butte County, uh, you know, a good friend of mine and he's a captain, he's black. And, uh, he told me, he was like, yeah, I'm laughing because it was so crazy because it was one of the only, I, I'd say, you know, people of color that came into his fire station. So we immediately, yeah. you know, clicked up yeah. and he was like, man, thank God. <laughs> What's going on? I was it's like, the, him, just like the, you know, glorious uh, happiness of seeing somebody else. Yeah, right. It was. And I was like, Oh, like a reunion. I haven't met the guy and we started, <laughs> we were super, we're super good friends right now. Went to the union conference together. Great guy. Yeah. And, you know, one of my mentors for sure. 
Tell me one thing, you know, we, we were talking about this earlier. You were very open about the sort of mental health challenges of being both in law enforcement or in the military or in, as a fire professional. How important has that work been for you, not just personally, but professionally to develop um, kind of a pathway for wellness, especially in a profession that, that has so much so many high stake situations and, you know, so many people who are um, prone to, to so many other uh, mental hygiene issues. With a large state organization that I work for right now, one wouldn't think, you know, government moves slowly and, and I, historically I'm looking at it. Yeah. You know, it's not a um, group of five individuals that can get together to make decisions happen real quick. Um, however, what I saw personally was I, I grew up, fortunately with, with, you know, a home grew up in one home. Um, you know, just saying that already is completely, um, you know, advantage of a lot of Americans out there. Yeah. However, I didn't really grow up with a supportive father and I grew up with father fearless. And I think that that was a huge going of a uh, reason for why I went to Boy Scouts and constantly finding mentors who, um, you know, showed me around or showed me how to shoot, showed me how to fight fire, showed me how to be a good cop, showed me how to be a good airman. But that all collapsed pretty severely in my career uh, this last year um yeah. you asked a question before about you know like I, I did so many different things and i did and i had non-stop time for myself like i you know what's the next cert you got to take on the, the the channel to get to the next promotion what do you got to do what do you got to do what do you got to do so i was constantly running to this fire academy getting this certification wanting to be the go-getter taking community classes when i was 15 years old you know just getting a sign off from my my high school teacher so i could go it was an obsession. I wanted it so bad. I wanted to wear a badge. I wanted to be there. <laughs> so, you know, we got a little bit more emotional here, but if you, if you don't take yourself, you'd be in a position that I was, um, you know, in October of last year, sitting on interstate by with a gun in my mouth. And I was, I was done. I was complete. Um, whole life went to hell. Uh, work went to hell. Um, unfortunately, um, there were a lot of bad calls this year. Fire season was rough. You know, everyone has their own, their own trauma and, and I'm open about it now because, um, there were people in my life that, uh, you know, called me the moment I was about to do what I was going to do. And, uh, you know, he happens to be one of my best friends, you know, our department. And I, and I credit this to my department. And that's the, the biggest part is I, you know, you're, you're a company man, company man. You want to go and you always be on time. Yes, sir. No, sir. To the chief, you want to be there. However, you know, I owe my department, my life because, um, you know, they sent me through two, uh, I'd say mental health, post-traumatic stress, uh, programs. Uh, one happened to be in Colorado, which I re reluctantly, reluctantly went, but I did save my life. You know, this week I just completed another program out in Healdsburg in Sonoma County. Yeah. And this program called First Resiliencies, um, a staff of all first responders who instruct first responders. So you, you're not in there by like, you know, you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I've been through. And that's yeah. a hard time with, with therapy for first responders. It's, you know, I just came through this shooting or this stabbing or this CPR, this house fire, whatever that car accident, but they, they don't know. Right. Yeah. And uh, they've never been in that situation. All these people have, and they've done it for years. So, um, learning skills that if I should say when that incident happens again, cause you will have another bad call, right? We're not making 
you know, nice home calls in the firehouse when you call us if yeah. something has gone south and we're there to, to fix that problem. That hopefully there's some skills that I've gained through this program that uh, you know I can use next time I see a bad call and I want to open up another bottle or I want to do something destructive to myself or you know ruin a relationship or whatever it may be. So mental health is huge. And for you was the process of doing this any different because you were Indian or South Asian? Was it, were there accelerators? Um, you know, were there bonuses in some ways of, of your background? And also were there, you know, other things that people may not be able to, uh, you know, relate to simply because you're South Asian or, um, you know, some of, some of the nuances um, of that, not just to mention, of course, the nuances of being in a profession where you're constantly, as you mentioned, in, in chaos and, and they're not, you know, fun home calls from the, from the fire station. Yeah, I think just, uh, I could, I could count on my hand. I don't even know if you full the whole five people of East Indian people involved in, you know, uh, law enforcement fire. I mean, one who you interviewed, Prashant, when I met, you know, yeah. um, and, uh, uh, one of my other buddies is actually retired Cal Fire to Riverside County. He actually has a PTSD program himself and has his own podcast called Project Mayday. Uh, like, I can't do that. You know, like I'm, I'm the Indian firefighter. You know, there's times that I'm hard on myself. Like, I, I just can't, you know, like it'll be too weird. The last name's so long, they got to put on like number three font just to fit on my team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's just like, who's that guy? And like yeah, alphabet soup. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, just don't worry about it. You know? I, you know, I don't think it's a big thing in our, in the East Indian community. And that's the hard part about it. I mean, there's some family members who don't know what I went through and I don't know if I'd ever tell them because I don't think they'll ever understand. In fact, they, they won't. Yeah. That, that's a tough one. That's completely a, a, a tough one where I don't know how I would approach it in some places. Um, more and more I'm talking about what happened this last fall and winter on yeah. myself. Um, obviously, you know, you and I, and um, eventually I'll, tell more people about and share my story. Cause I'm just like, if, if my story can save one life, yeah. another first responder's life or whoever just happens to be watching this, this, this podcast at three in the morning, cause they can't sleep and, and see it, yeah. you know, like, Hey, you know, like I, I'm happy. Uh, yeah. I did my part. You know, for the future of South Asians who want to pursue this and they're very passionate about pursuing a career um, in law enforcement or in the military or yeah. as a fire professional, is there a value to a understanding what the stakes are and the preparedness and the resilience that that's required to in fact, embark upon a journey like this. And how do we make that just that much better for the people who are going to clearly follow you in um, you know, in these kinds of career paths so that it's not so difficult so that they can actually get the support they need. What are, what are some of the things that we need to do differently? I, I think the biggest thing is do what you want to do. And that's like, it's such a basic statement that I heard. And I think like even the statement just from our community, older generations and me, I think that, you know, my son or daughter wants to come to me right now and says, you know, I want to be a janitor help be the best damn janitor that you can be. I'd say just stay at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe with the support of, you know, doing what you love, loving what you do, um, 
you know, perhaps that also helps develop more confidence in yourself. And, and it's a cyclical sort of piece where that you just be, you gain that much more trust in yourself and it almost doesn't matter um, what the environment is around you, but hopefully there'll be others there that, that people can sort of seek mentoring from. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that I, I would love to maybe one day have like a whole you know, South Asian Indian first responder community. If there isn't anything like that out there um, or even, you know, get my cell phone out, you know, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram and all those yeah. social media platforms. Like I'm more than happy to sit down with, with individuals because I, I think it is tough. It is tough with the first responder military culture. Like I said, it is getting better. We are going in the right direction, but we're still not there yet. You just got to get through it. And I think that you can, you know, mm-hmm. any individual, you know, male or female who wants to get into that field. I think it's the best job in the whole damn world. Like there's nothing more yeah. like it. And once you find a whole crew that you mesh with and you're good at your job, I never want to do anything else. Um, Bernay, it's been really amazing to talk to you. Again, I can't thank you enough for your service and that all you do for the community. Thank you so much for being on, on the podcast. And I'm really, really uh, grateful for all that you do. I appreciate that, brother. And thank you for the kind words. And thanks again for everything, for sure. Barnay's courage to speak openly about his journey hopefully ignites awareness for those with PTSD and mental illness and builds more community for South Asian first responders. If you or someone you know needs help for any mental illness and are in the U.S., please call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP or the National Suicide Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. If you'd like to get in touch with Barnay, you can send him a DM on Instagram at smoky underscore the bear. Join us next time on Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. This is Taz Dollywell, and you're listening to Ruckus Avenue Radio.